Welcome to the fourth episode of the Peas in the Podcast Season 2. Here we discuss trends and provide commentary on media and social justice issues as well as our own personal life experiences. Please remember to wear your mask. Today we will have Gladys as our first guest this season while we discuss today's topic of Beyonce's Black is King. Gladys, welcome to the table, the group, the whatever rooms, whatever you want to call it. Can you please introduce yourself to our wonderful audience and listeners? Yeah, sure. Hey guys, my name is Gladys and I'm so honored to be here. I went to college with both Jameer and Daphne, and now I find myself constantly on Twitter, always engaging in some conversations related to Africa and the African diaspora as a whole. I'm from Togo, which is a small country in West Africa, right next to Ghana, but I grew up in Jersey, so I personally identify as African American. I know there's a lot of people out there who disagree with how I identify, And honestly, I completely understand the arguments related to it, but that's just the identity I feel best represents who I am. I would get more into my identity, but I was told I only have one minute for this intro. Um, (laughs) Also, as a disclaimer- She's right about that. Just gotta put it out there. All my opinions are my own. I do not represent the views of Africans. As a matter of fact, there are some Africans out there who disagree with some of the things that I think, which is perfectly fine. We're not a monolith. I come from West Africa specifically, so that is where I draw most of my opinions and experiences from. And yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Welcome. (laughs) We're so happy to have you. Okay, so I am kicking off this episode. Um, Now, we're going to be doing something a little different tonight brought to us by our season one guest david (laughs) um we'll be naming or cat what is it categorize no giving titles to our topic segments yeah we're gonna give titles to our our topics so that you know when we're breaking things up so we're hoping that it gives a little bit more organization this time around so my topic today is called black women cried Oh, 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 Beyonce has entered the chat. Now, I will make this very clear first and foremost. I am not a member of the Beehive, but I refuse to hear Beyonce slam. All right, all right, all right. I don't, know if that makes, I don't know if that makes me a member of the Beehive or not, but there will be no slander here. Call it a glitch in Disney's programming or the Disney gods blessing us Disney plus refusers, but I was able to see Hamilton and Black as King all for seven ninety nine. I for damn sure canceled my membership right on afterwards. Anyway, not the point. Today's episode got me talking about Black is King and the emotional response it triggered, particularly among black women. When I watched Black is King, I'm not afraid to admit it, I cried. Not like heavy weeping sobs, not sad tears, but those tears you get when you really feel seen. And as creative as the film was, the overall message felt different and familiar all at the same time. Goddamn fireworks. <laughs> Doing what any millennial does, I went to social media to see what response it received from the general population. And for black women, they said they cried. Each person cried at different points, but most recognizably during Brown Skin Girl. 
It was an anthem. It was a bop. It was genuine love from someone who is black but lives a different experience based on her complexion of blackness. And that, for everything you may or may not like about Beyonce, is admirable. In the articles I used this week, again, as y'all know, links will be provided, there was admiration and some very angry tweets from native-born Africans on the internet. I focus more on the overall theme and the diversity of storytelling through generational relationships, uses of artists from the continent, and how much the film centered on her own children's relationship to their black ancestry. And that culmination of things was overwhelming and joyous, which is what I think played an underlying role in why black women cried. Am I way off? So, I have some basic ass questions about this film and you guys' emotional response to it. My I'm first ready for some question basic-ass being. Questions. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty basic. Don't, don't, don't read too much into this. <laughs> so, Beyonce personally called a fan of hers um, who openly expressed their emotions during Black is King. And she told them flat out that they are the gift. Like, anybody who really knows, like, is a Beyonce fan, knows that Shorty only just recently started giving us captions in quarantine. So, like, this was a lot. For her to call you the gift, I mean, it, it didn't take no real creative effort, but still, it was said by Beyonce. And my question is, how often do you tell your fellow black folks they are special? In addition to that, if you don't, why not? Mm. Any one of y'all could take this. I think now I've definitely started more like complimenting black people specifically and I know like there were instances where like I would see a child like a little black girl with her natural hair and I'd be like yo your fro's popping yeah I really love your hair and I really like this whole new wave of like empowering black children to like love themselves from early on and to see that they are beautiful despite what the world says especially dark-skinned black women putting it out there dark skin's always appreciated but um yeah just like hyping them up and making them realize that like yo they are the shit and they should be complimented and they should deserve all the love and all the like accolades that everyone else gets And so, yeah, I've been more conscious about, like, celebrating the beauty of Black women, Black children. Sometimes Black men ain't shit. (laughs) Just putting it out there. (laughs) Oh, shit. Gladys came on this podcast (laughs) for male slander. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Putting it out there. (laughs) So, I don't know about hyping (laughs) y'all. I don't know about hyping They really are not. So I try, you know, <laughs> to keep a conservative when it comes to black men. <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> she is very selective. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh uh, yeah, for the most I part, I, I do start to you know celebrate or like Im- tell black people, especially black kids, that they're special. Yeah, mm. no, I I would agree with that. I'm very much like, and I don't know. You know, like, I know damn sure I'm not going to say that it's racist, but like whenever I see the little black kid in anything, I root for them. I don't care how shitty they are. <laughs> I don't like, care if they go ahead, the sis. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I that's the you, one. Man. That's the one. Yep. All right, blue I'd, like, I'd be like, that's cute for all these kids, but whatever the black kid needs the most, that's what I I'd be like. Yeah, let me help you. I feel bad for <laughs> doing I, that I too, do. but I always I do, do that too. I don't, 
I don't. I feel bad. I do because I'd be like, damn, this is somebody's kid. But then I'd be like, nah, because in like less than sixteen years, that little white kid or light skinned kid's gonna be okay. I definitely I'll be out don't here for a little dark. Let me get some like more that. attention. Y'all gotta have it together. There was this one like recent Google drawing thing, and I voted for all the black kids that drew some. Like I, Same. I was just. <laughs> some of the white ones was nice too but they did not get my votes no yeah, no same i Yo. was like <laughs> i was like y'all are like cute. it looks this nice, nice but, but no vote for me <laughs> this like, is a negro only voting you. honestly yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i support you I, you're talented but i'm gonna need to vote for that black kid mm-hmm. and she's wearing glasses you know we gotta vote for the black girls wearing glasses um thank done. you thank you I appreciate that. Yeah, I that. definitely think it is important that we uh, we just check in and just let people know, like, like let the especially the black people in our lives know that they're uh, that they're seen and that they're uh, just like showering them with love. Because I feel like just growing up and just existing as a black person is very hard. So just taking some time out your day to just let the black people that you're close with know that like you see them and know that and just like shower them with like some attention and some love that's nothing i even try to do that with some of my male friends as well so moving on to my next question uh around this film did you cry were you emotionally moved anyone i'm gonna be real with y'all and i'm gonna be real with all the listeners out there i did not watch black is king I probably won't watch <sighs> Black is King. <laughs> I did not listen to The I Gift. Um, you know, I'll get no, around to yes. it. I'll eventually, you know, see it somewhere. But I don't see myself making time to watch it in the near future. Like, I barely got through halfway of... What was that? What was that um, thing Beyonce put out? <laughs> Lemonade? No, no. Delete after, it. After, after we lemonade. are going to now block Gladys. Yeah, Beachella. There Lock. we go. <laughs> homecoming. Oh, homecoming. Homecoming. Yo, y'all, first of all, I want y'all to understand something. Y'all got me out here looking like goddamn Beyonce Stan. That's what you're saying on Beyonce. I but haven't seen but Homecoming. Shut y'all the door. Hold up. I acknowledge Beyonce's talent. She's one of the most talented, hardworking women. And I give her all of the support. And she deserves everything that she's been getting. Like, she's amazing. But, like, who has the time to be watching Black is King, though? Like, honestly, who has the time to be out here watching? Okay. I've seen it twice. All right, well, I'm not. I've seen it twice. I listen, you know, casually to her music. She's pretty good. But I'm just not the biggest fan in the sense. Like, I'm not a stan. I'm not making, like, I'm not going to go out of my way, out of my everyday routine to watch something that she but i support it though like i am all for black is king i fully support it will i watch it maybe like i don't know in the future maybe i might see a little some of it i might you know maybe who knows i'm putting it out there you know it will come across my path at some point but i haven't watched it to this date but I know of it. Like, uh, <laughs> I know about it and I know what's in it. And I appreciate the visuals from the pictures that I have seen and the gifts on Twitter. I appreciate it. Okay. 
I'm deeply disappointed. <laughs> Jameer, did you have anything about, did you feel anything emotional? Because Gladys didn't give a damn to give Beyonce her coins. So, $7.99 for Disney+. Plus. I won't say that I cried, but. Oh my God. Literally from the beginning. So the minute I saw Bigger, the tears started coming down. Ooh, Bigger. Like, so like, I'll definitely say that I felt very, very emotional, especially the poem in the beginning. She said, black is the color of my soulmate. Black is like, and she's talking about just like black being glamorous and gorgeous and powerful. And I'm like, yo, that's amazing. And just seeing like so many black people just exist. It was visually beautiful. And, and be like beautiful. Even like the parts that people critique, lyric- like the uh, move forever. That's one of my favorite parts. Like just see like black regality. And just like uh, I'm wa- like I'm watching it like yes, this yes, yeah, you better Talk walk. That shit, Talk I, that I believe shit. in you. Yes, I see you, little black boy. That's Simba right there. Like the whole time, I was just amazed and enamored with like just seeing so many beautiful black people. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, mood forever. My favorite part about it had to be Jay Z's blank stare. Like, oh my gosh. If I could change my Twitter, if I would decided to be like Jameer and change my Twitter handle every fucking week, <laughs> Jay-Z's blank stare account. <laughs> like, that whole... I... Oh my God, I loved it. I didn't cry. I got like, um, well, and I'll probably, I'll answer that in my segment, but... um. I definitely got the most emotional during Brown Skin Girl. And I yeah. said this last week in our episode about how, like, anytime I see Lapita on screen, I'm like, that's my friend. Like, she's my friend. <laughs> so when she popped up in Brown Skin Girl, I started, like, tearing up. And I was like, that's my girl. Like, Dude, I could I'm- grab coffee with her this week. And, like, it would be, I would not have, I would not be starstruck. I would I just, like, even- walk up to Lapita and be like, yo, we're getting coffee. You know what it was for me with Brown Skin Girl? It was, it wasn't even at the Lupita part. It, I literally started crying the minute I saw young, dark-skinned black girl at her, well, it's like a symbolic version of a cotillion. But I was just like, like, this is just so, uh, and I was like, ah, uh, people are talking about a, a black woman is talking about black women and like it's a positive song. And granted, the first voice you hear is a man's, but it's still like, no, 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 this is this is really uh, I'm out here standing for black women. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And y'all call me trash for all of this. Can't be whatever. But like, I feel like when men write black women anthems, it's always super sexualized versions of us. But then there's like the polar opposite where you only get like the India Iris. And I just be like, that's a little, that's a little too hippy dippy woke for me. I want something in between that like, I feel like I can shake my ass, but I also feel very motivated. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like India Iris, when she, cause like I, I get, I totally get what you're saying. Like when black men do it, it's very like sexual, very like sexual chocolate, very like, you know, and then yeah, the India <laughs> Iris version is more like. Yeah, like, you're beautiful, and, like, you know, with the head wraps, and, like, you got smoking weed on the back Yeah, porch. it's just so, it's you, you, so you mother earthy to me. Like, Indy Irie will write me a song about, like, 4C textured hair, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, thanks, 
But like, now I feel like I gotta go birth a baby and live back in the motherland and like be real proud to support my king. I just don't want to do all that. <laughs> just, I just want to be motivated and shake my ass. Like, why can't I have both? Beyonce gave me both. Mm-hmm. It's funny, my mom Drip broke the levee when my Kellys roll in. Like, that's a fucking bar. <laughs> <laughs> my mom actually um, purchased a Disney Plus membership just for Blackest King, and she was unimpressed. As she should. Oh, well, she was <gasps> unimpressed. And so I asked her, I'm like, yo, did you like it? And she was like, yeah, it was I. And, like, I feel like that's where I get my <laughs> sentiments from. Like, I'm just like, I truly appreciate Beyonce and all the work that she's done. And this is a very, very important project for black women, especially dark skinned black women. And it's a very like beautiful, you know, piece and the visuals are amazing. I'm just probably not going to watch it anytime soon, but I support it. Like I, it is something that I will always, you know, support. Thanks, Gladys. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, so that leads, so this leads me into my last question, actually. Um, since Gladys and Star didn't have the same kind of a response I and other black women that I spoke to did, why do you think some of us black women responded so emotionally to this particular film? I think it just goes back to like feeling seen, feeling appreciated. People finally, you know, seeing the beauty and richness of blackness and of like the various cultures within black culture, within African culture and things like that, especially since like as black women, you know, you go on any social media platform or even in the media, we're always like told very disgusting things of ourselves and like sometimes portrayed in a negative light and it's so amazing and beautiful and refreshing to have this whole visual of black women being appreciated and being celebrated and finally being loved and so i think that's why a lot of black women respond so emotionally to it because it's like wow finally like damn I'm finally being recognized for the beautiful woman that I am. Well fucking said, man. All right, man. Because Gladys is over here being a goddamn motivational, inspirational (laughs) speaker. I'm going to pass this shit right on (laughs) off to Gladys so she can introduce her topic. (laughs) Preach. Okay, so my topic was, the name of it is Romanticizing Mama Africa. Okay. So, as I mentioned several times before, I'm from Africa, um, specifically from Togo. Like many first-generation African kids, growing up African in America was very hard, not gonna lie. You would constantly hear mean things like, you know, the infamous African booty scratcher, or people doing that clicking noise, that to like taunt you or constantly hearing and seeing disgusting stereotypes of Africa such as feed the children, African child soldiers, or the images of people living in these mud huts and walking 10 miles a day to get water from that one dirty river. And so as a result of all the bullying, some of which came from African Americans, if we're keeping it to Virgil's on this podcast, I had to suppress Not to Virgil. <laughs> I just Not like to, to keep it you real. Love that I do, I do love using 
using that phrase. I have a whole t-shirt and everything. But um, yeah, so I had to suppress a lot of my African identity for a really long time to the point where at some point in my right my life I just straight up hated being African like I didn't want to be seen as African I didn't want to like wear African garments at one point like I would hate being out with like my mom because of like she would wear traditional African clothing or I didn't want anyone to meet my dad Mm -hmm. because he had a very thick African accent and I just wanted to be normal you know I just wanted to be an American quote unquote um and I just wanted to be seen as just for who I am instead of the fact that like I come from Africa and it wasn't until I got to college where I was finally given the space and the opportunity to relearn and appreciate my identity where I started to be extremely proud of my African culture and now nobody can't tell me anything I'm pretty sure me <laughs> telling you I'm African within the first five seconds of you meeting me is up there with a vegan telling you that they're vegan or a mixed person letting you know that they're uh, biracial yeah. <laughs> she's a biracial Okay, so also during my time of self-discovery during college, I also noticed that appreciating the beauty of Africa and connecting to the continent started to be a very popular trend. All of a sudden, it felt like everyone was wearing dashikis and listening to Afro beats and doing all the dances. And TBH, I personally love it. Like, for the most part, I welcome all Black people um, to indulge in it and experience African culture. But to a certain extent, though, like, for real, for real, to a certain extent, Um, because along with the fact that there are certain things that belong to certain tribes, and we all have to respect the cultural impact and significance of that tribe, um, I do feel as though, thanks to pop culture, people have been treating Africa as sort of this monolith and romanticizing Mm -hmm. it. For one, Africa is a continent with 54 countries. And West Africa is much different than East Africa, which is much different from South Africa and so on. And movies such as Black Panther, RIP to my husband Chadwick. Um, Same. Honestly, <laughs> I have plans to marry this man and everything. Um, Same. <laughs> so yeah, movies such as Black Panther and, you know, visuals such as Black is King like to paint this picture of African royalty throughout the continent. But like, not everyone was a king or a queen. And that's completely fine. I feel like Black people like to warp African history a bit and make it seem like something that it's not. Um, There's beauty in living in a hunt, a hut. (laughs) I said hunt, but a hut. There's beauty in simply being a farmer or a merchant. Not to mention, pre-colonial Africa was not perfect. Um, There are a lot of things that we choose not to talk about because it kind of forces us to take off our rose-colored glasses and see the continent for what it actually is instead of the mythical, regal fairy tale that we like to make it seem. There's this really great quote from one of the articles listed that reads, There is a real danger in romanticizing pre-colonial Africa. The glorification of kingdoms before white men met us erases the reality that African wasn't exactly a paradise. 
African kingdoms were rife with slavery, imperialism, women's oppression, and class oppression. Not everyone was a king or even a queen. Most importantly, not every Black person in, Africa, in African countries had the potential of being born into a royal family or assessing its benefits. In short, to summarize, what the author was saying in the article is that this romanticization of the continent has made has made us create these imagined stories rooted in the white gaze and forces us to live under its blinding effects by continuously proving that we are worthy and even more harshly by participating mm -hmm. in structures that uphold whiteness such as capitalism, imperialism, all under the guise of like black power. Um, and also, mm. people in general were mad at Beyonce, who is African-American. They were mad that she was the one telling stories of the continent and making films and visuals about the continent, even though her own relation to Africa came from the fact, comes from the fact that she is a descendant of slaves instead of being directly from the continent. Some people felt like mm. it was not her place to do that, and she was taking opportunity away from quote-unquote actual Africans to tell their stories. So to get into my questions, um, question number one, how do you guys feel about media such as Black Panther and Black as King representing Africa as either a monolith or as a regal paradise? So in terms of Black Panther, I... um. I appreciated the fact that it showed like black regality, regality, especially because um in a lot of and a lot of like the media that we have focusing around Africa for the most part, it does show like people living in squalor. So it was nice to have that juxtaposition, I guess. It was nice to have um like it was nice to have an example of um again like black regality and stuff like that but i do agree that there needs to be more like i don't think it should just be show black people uh, like you know being rich and happy and then show black people being poor and sad i think there needs to definitely be a middle ground i just don't think that yeah i just don't think that um black panther was the movie to do that because t'challa is supposed to be regal like he's a king honestly for me i feel like when we talk about stuff like just from Disney alone, I think in terms of Black Panther and Black as King, we can't take those out of context. It's it's very much it's very much a thing where we don't have enough representation to begin with to pull from. So like for me, a big thing is, and I say this a lot, Eddie Murphy was the only dark skinned king that I saw in any fucking movie. And my second dark skinned king is now T'Challa. I will take that. <laughs> like, I want that. On top of that, th with, with Black is King, it's also a retelling of the Lion King. So there's no way to get around the re regality aspect of that again. I think what is majorly lacking is enough representation from people on the continent who are producing the exact content that we are producing here <laughs> and they are telling their own stories from the most basic of basic to the most regal of regal and we don't we don't even have the structure to get to better stories because we're literally only just getting to our real official first black king 
Mm. Coming to America was a goddamn comedy. It's a classic, <laughs> though. Like, I must say, it is. it is a classic. I love that movie. It is, but, like, I'm still tight that, like, Tiana... Like, for me, Princess and the Frog should have gave me my first dark-skinned black king. And mm-hmm. it didn't. It gave me some pale, light-skinned man voiced by some white dude. Yeah, he was... Our, so, T'Challa our, has to do that for me from, from Disney. Our prince. <laughs> Yo, that's really what they did, though. I don't even know. But I don't think I don't think that uh, a continent that can fit most of the goddamn planet inside of it should be viewed as monolithic or as a major conglomerate. Like, I don't think that you should be able to. I think it's it's a little bit of a a double-edged sword. Like the good side is we're finally telling the stories outside of the small, limited scope that we used to function in, but we're only at like two of those stories, really. But then we're also like cherry picking and mm-hmm. we're like, here's a little culture over there, a little bit of culture over here, sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. But I would never develop stories that are cherry picking only the good parts of Latino culture and only the good parts of African-American culture and sprinkling it and crossing it and do it. It's like, no, they both deserve their own attention because we're not even at the point of of even of even seeing the representation that way we're still playing stereotyped roles and thug number one and thug number two we're not a monolith but we also do have a response we have a responsibility to do the right thing but we also have to recognize i think that what we have given to us right now is very very minimal and it's we're seeing it at the foundation that's actually a very perfect segue into my second question which is how do you guys think we can do better at portraying more authentic representations of the continent in pop culture and the media as a whole well i feel like netflix is already doing a really great job in that so um and be i guess around like the start of the year netflix had did you just started to intentionally get more uh (laughs) more west african um media on um on their platforms so yeah, like I've been watching like a lot of different West African movies and stuff like that. Like I was just telling my my stepfather has too. So I was just telling my little sister that Netflix no finally knows that we're black, because the second we get on it has like all these black, is <laughs> like all these uh, West African things to watch. So yeah, like I feel like that's definitely a big part. My um thing with Netflix is that like from when I still had a Netflix account um, I don't really watch I don't really watch shows like that but um the stuff that I would see on Netflix is a lot of like modern African films and I feel like there's so much of African movies or like African stories and like African culture that just will not directly you know be in a platform like Netflix like you know there's like movies related to like voodoo or like related to like indigenous African traditions and practices and stuff like that and there is a lot of movies related to the nonsense of you know being African because there are (laughs) some things within the culture that is just like why (laughs) why is it like this and so like I feel like a lot of times there's a huge chunk of African representation african culture all that stuff that will be missing from the overall like popular medias because it simply does not translate well into western audiences and it's like how do we bridge the gap between Mm -hmm. that get white people out of power Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think that's just gonna be the overall answer for me Mm -hmm. we gotta let these white people go (laughs) they need to go hey i'm all for it cut them loose (laughs) 
get these white men out. Because it also, like, kind of, like, warps the view a bit in the sense where, like, if you're an American watching these films on Netflix, that's what you're going to think the continent is. And then you go Mm -hmm. to, like, a village in Africa and realize, you know, it might be a little different from what you're used to. And it's like, if Netflix is your only provider of African culture, then you're really not going to get an authentic and accurate representation of a lot of African cultures. Not to mention, a lot of whatever's on Netflix come from, like, particular countries, like Nigeria and stuff like that. Yeah, or South Nigeria. Africa. Yeah, it's a lot of Nigerian Yeah, content. and it's like... It's like Nigeria and, and Ghana are the only yeah. African Nigeria, countries Ghana, and South Africa. People forget that there's two whole countries in between Ghana and Nigeria. Like, everyone just ignores Togo and Benin as if we don't exist. But yeah, there's like... <laughs> There's like, there's French Africa, you know, there's Islamic Africa, there's so many layers of Africa that will just never be on platforms like Netflix. In fairness, Gladys, us African Americans are still trying to get Egyptians to not be white. That's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. Y'all want us to do all of this, recognize the mean and all that? No. You gotta We're still trying to get Egyptians to be black again. You gotta get the North Africans to claim Africa in the first place, so... Ooh. <laughs> that part. <laughs> and we're keeping it to Virgil's once again. <laughs> I think like with the whole African American thing, people come at me for identifying as African American. They're like, oh, why don't you just be Togolese American? And I'm just like, there's so many complexities to how people identify. Like I personally mm-hmm. identify with like African culture as a whole. If anything, my identity would be more like West African American. Cause yeah, I'm from Togo and like, you know, I have family, all my family back there, but like I see myself as simply existing in it as an African and as an American. And so it just made sense to me to identify as an African American. Um, but people are mad at me when I tell them that. They're like, you're totally American. And I'm just like, or like, so I'm from the Kabia tribe. And they're like, you know your tribe. You're Kabia American. And I'm like, okay, I'm from Jersey too. Like, am I Kabia Jersey? And like, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Like, Yeah, I feel like sometimes people let like, people identify focus as too much want. on like ethnicity. Like, I don't yeah. think it needs to be like the biggest conversation. Like, it's not something to get mad over, at least. Um, my third question is, do you think African-Americans and other non-continental Africans have a right to create stories of the continent? Or should it be left to Africa, to actual, quote-unquote, Africans? Is there a way we can make space for everyone in the diaspora to connect to and embrace the African identity? Yeah, I don't have a... So I definitely do think hmm. that... Um, African-American people should be able to reach back to the cultures that were taken away from them. And I also like that in the way that Beyonce tried to do it, she reached out to West African writers, West African directors, choreographers. I feel like that was definitely important. Like, of course, she probably did some of her own research, but I love the fact that to represent the people that she was supposed to be representing, she made sure to actually have those people Mm -hmm. at the table. I think that's really important. Because even though, like, those cultures were taken away from us, that's kind of not our, is not our culture anymore in a way. So I think it's important that she reached out to them to be historically accurate and stuff, or culturally accurate. Yeah, I think the involvement is the most important. But do I think we have a right 
this is it's a this is very weird because I feel like all of us identify as African American, so us even having this conversation mm-hmm. just comes from a whole fucking place of like privilege and outsiderness. I think we have a right to the continent on a generational level, not as its current state. And I think sometimes we get we get pushback from the global blacks <laughs> who are like, "You're not a real Caribbean. You're not a real African. You're not a." Da, da, da. It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> My black ass exists in this world as a black ass person. As descendants of slaves, we are navigating the space based on whatever cultural aspects have been passed down to to us thus far. For African Americans, we should be able to talk about that. Why should we have every single part of our being stripped of us while we still live in the space that imposes on us as though we have all of those same things? Mm -hmm. It's like, if I'm going to be spoken to the way that you've treated black people for centuries since before you took them off the ship, I should be able to have some semblance of, of a cultural connection to it. That doesn't mean I go and cultural appropriate and I just make shit up and I'm just like, well, I think this is African, so I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't think that, but I do think there are just going to be certain things that we, we have a right to as generations change and grow. And there's really, I don't think there's really any way to stop that. (laughs) <laughs> like complain about it on Twitter, I guess. Have fun, Star. What was that? I song? think that yeah. <laughs> you sounded like you had something to say. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because, and I don't I don't want to like delve too much into my topic because we'll get to it. But like, I don't know. I I feel like I have no reason to speak on any of this. You know, like I don't know. It just feels weird for me. Like, being adopted by white people who tried to teach me about, like, my history and black culture and black heritage and bought me all these books that I wasn't interested in. Your mom made Joe love one time, right? <laughs> Did she? I don't know. One time. She was like, I found that recipe book. Day. That's right. I found that. I did find the African recipe book that she had, though. Um, I knew it was there. I I have it now. I have it at my house. Um, For me, I just like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't have any of the answers to any of this because this is not any type of reflection that I have done Mm. except for like the last like three to five years of my life. Oh, my. Okay. So my, I kind of just alluded to this. My topic is is entitled The Cultural Disconnect. (laughs) Um, And I am adopted, as I just said. And from childhood, my parents bought me books about Black history, African heritage, folk tales, um, civil rights heroes, general, just people in general. Um, So first, shout out to Sandy and Andy for trying their best. I'm sorry, I... (laughs) <laughs> let you down as a child. Yes, my parents' names are Sandy and Andy. That'd Isn't that rhyme. handy? That is they cute. rhyme. Yeah, that's cute. They do rhyme. That's very, very adorable. <laughs> um, I wasn't interested in learning about my heritage. Well, okay. I, I wrote that, and I, I don't know if it was the fact that like I wasn't interested in learning my heritage or my history. I don't think it was a pressing matter. Like I think I was just doing other things. Um, and I think after, like, I think growing up in a very rural, white, conservative area, when you just get slaveryed out in school, right? Like, I, so I'm just yep. like, I don't know, like, I don't really, 
And maybe that's subconsciously the reason I never finished my fourth grade project that was a little book about, like, being a slave in social studies. Seventh grade social studies, rather. Hold on. So it's still in my parents. No, it was some project we were doing, and we had to write a we had to write our own book about a time period in history, I think. And I was like, oh, I'll just like, I I think I chose to like write about being a slave or something. I never finished it. I never turned it in. It is still sitting unfinished in my parents' attic. As it belongs. (laughs) Right. So I'm wondering now as I'm older and I'm like unpacking a lot of this, I'm like, was that just very subconscious where I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Or was I just like, was that just my ADD? (laughs) It was my ancestors. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe it was the, the ancestors, ancestors using my ADD, right? Um, so I don't know if it was the fact that I wasn't interested in learning about my history or heritage uh, so much so as it was just like being slaveryed out. But I'm very behind. I don't know a lot of classic R- R&B and rap songs. Mm. Although now that David's been in my life for a while, we've gotten a lot better. You mean to tell um, me a white man about R&B and hip hop into 100%. your life? 100%. Well, he didn't bring it into my life, but he made it make more sense. Nah, I gotta remember, he's bald, though. Bald niggas is different. Guy With made a beard. He's got a beard, too. Yeah. He's got a beard, and uh, how many pairs of Nikes am I staring at right now? A lot. <laughs> that is, Expensive sneakers. That is so interesting <laughs> that um, you didn't know a lot of the classic rap and R&B songs. Because, like, growing up, um, you know, my parents weren't playing that in the household. Anything my parents were playing were just, like, traditional African songs or music from the motherland and stuff like that. So, like, but I'm very much that. into classic R&B and rap. Like, I love 90s, 2000s. Um, music and stuff like that so it's very interesting how like we both grew up in a household that you know we weren't exposed to african-american black culture and yet we both have different experiences as how we both came into our own black culture black experiences right yeah I also just like didn't have any black friends growing up and I didn't have many friends growing up to begin with, but I had approximately zero black friends. Um, So that was also hard. And like, I mean, my sisters were much, much older than me. So they, they were kind of out of the house before I was. So any, like my, my Mm. oldest sister loves living single. They loved like different world, the Cosby show. So it wasn't like there was no black culture in our house at all. It was that I was just too young to, like, appreciate it and learn about it. And then once my sisters were out of the house, it just didn't. It was, like, family matters. And that was kind of it. Because then late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't have cable or anything. So it was, like, all of this to say, I'm playing catch-up a lot. Um, And I have, like, a lot of great people in my life, like Daphne and Jameer and David and, like, all my black friends who were like, okay, we're going to, like, get you caught up. Here's here's what you need to know. Here's what this cultural reference means. Um, So I, even though I haven't seen, like, a lot of the classic black films, like, I'm generally aware of a lot of cultural references, but I'm not, like, 100% clued in to them. Um, I've always liked Beyonce, and I've always admired her, and when Lemonade came out on Tidal, I was poor and didn't have the money for another subscription service, and I don't think, I don't think I've listened to Lemonade the whole way through. I've definitely not listened to 444. I knew they were both, like, out here saying stuff about Becky with the good hair, but I would not have been able to sing that phrase on key if you had asked me, and I still don't think I can. (laughs) Um, Not even sure which song it's from. So 
I heard about the Lion King remake and I was so excited. And when I heard that Beyonce was doing the music, I was just like so hype about it. And like, I knew it was going to be amazing because we had gotten an amazing album from Kendrick for Black Panther. And I love this movement that sprung up in the last, well, I mean, I think it's kind of, this used to happen a lot, like back in the fifties and like with old movies where, um, people like where artists would do concept albums for movies and whatever. But when Jay-Z did the concept album for the great Gatsby, one of my favorite books, shout out. Um, <laughs> I know Daphne hates it. That's why I, I don't know it. about great Gatsby. <laughs> that was like, that was like kind of the start, the rebirth of this whole like concept album situation. Cause I think it was big in the nineties and then it came back. Um, so I was so excited for, for um, the gift and the Lion King and I knew it would be lit, but I was not prepared for Black is King being as stunning as it was. Because I was just like, oh, it's going to be like a Beyonce visual album. Okay, sure. Like, And I had listened to The Gift many, many times because I what? loved it. I mm-hmm. listened to that damn album till that goddamn Black is King came out. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. I the listened most I to heard it was Brown Skin Girl on somebody's Instagram story, but yeah, I was not about just, to listen to a Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> I just listened to, I don't even think I listened to Brown Skin Girl fully. I might have just like listened right. to clips on Twitter and like searched up the lyrics. So I understood very little of the album, even though I was very stunned visually by it. Um, I am not the type of person to read in-depth articles about pop culture, I used to be when I was working a job where I was super bored and that was what I could get away with in the box office, just reading articles about everything, but I'm no longer that way. So I'm left with a lot of questions about Black is King, but mostly I'm left in awe. The colors were beautiful and I'm sure they represented something. The references to African gods and goddesses I vaguely got, but nothing too deep. And it brings me to my first question. Is it okay to just simply enjoy something without the cultural references? Yes. As someone... Yeah. Right? I think so. And as someone who is constantly battling the, like, I'm not black enough feelings, that's something I think about a lot. Because I I can't engage... I, I can engage in these discussions, but I don't feel comfortable engaging in these discussions. And then I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. I think it comes... I think I just have a history with black people... Doing that whole, like, oh, you don't know, whatever, whatever. Well, you're not really black because you were adopted and you don't know anything. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I have, like, a lot of residual trauma from that. Mm. So that's kind of why I take a backseat a lot and just listen to y'all talk. Um, So I'm, like, working through being okay, just loving Black is King visually and understanding approximately five percent of it no i think point five percent i think of there's it. so much validity in simply acknowledging the fact that you don't really know the cultural references and just appreciating the beauty of it i watch a lot of cultural films like asian mm-hmm. films hispanic films or like maybe appreciating like different types of art if i go to an art museum or if i go to some show or something i don't know what they're talking about i'm not 
I don't know what they're <laughs> referring to, but I still see the beauty in it. And I still yeah. see the fact that it means a lot and it has a lot of significance weight to it. Some of the African things I don't even know myself. Like there's a lot of things that refer <laughs> to like things from like East Africa or South Central Africa or other parts of Africa or even outside of Togo, like some things in Ghana that they're my referencing to. And I'm just like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is, but I love it. I love the fact that you're yeah. showing it to us. I could take the time to educate myself. Will I? Who knows? But it's still, <laughs> I, I still, I feel that. <laughs> I, I still appreciate it. And I still find the beauty of it. And that's really what matters. Yeah. So I guess, oh, Daphne, Jameer, do you want to respond? No, to I it? agree. Yeah, I definitely agree yeah. too. Like, you can just watch something to watch something. You don't always have to, yeah. like, mm-hmm. analyze it. And you don't always have... Like, you can just be enamored with his beauty. And that's something that's I very think, easy to do with Black as King. Yeah, and I think a large part of, like, our our society today, we're so social media driven that we have access to so much more information and content that we can break it down and decipher those things. And I, But I think not everything needs a think piece. That's like my, my that first part, feeling. Not everything needs a damn think piece. And, mm. if it, and the thing is, about, if you want to dissect about Moesha. Yeah, but my thing is like, if you want to dissect it, cool. But when you dissect it, there's there's also, um, I think there's a responsibility to not try to demoralize or demean people for something that they take joy in. Especially, mm. and actually I'm not going to say especially, only if they are not doing uh a detrimental service to someone else or causing harm. There's a di- there's a big difference in me watching Black and Black is King and enjoying it, and then me going out and buying a bunch of different random garb that I saw in it, and I'm like, haha, I like this. This is what I'm wearing because I saw it in this. It's like that has no relation to me. That's not a part of my day to day. It's one thing I watch. Like, I like anime, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna go out and buy like traditional Japanese clothing and pretend like right. I'm appreciating it because I appreciate one aspect of that culture. I'm not deeply entrenched in it enough to actually say like, no, I'm, I'm showing appreciation and not appropriation. Mm. Just fucking watch a movie. Shut the fuck up and smile yeah. and keep it pushing. Not to mention that yeah. there's just a lot of information out there and some of it might be wrong. Like just because someone is presenting you something this way and they're telling you this thing, does not necessarily mean that is true and that is fact. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many interpretations of things, especially within something like African mythology. Like, there's so many different interpretations of it, so many different opinions. People from the same tribe or same culture might say something different about it. And it's like, this is just too much. Like, there's just so much that, like, you would have to dissect if you decide to, like, go that route and process everything. Now, sometimes you just want to step back and just watch it, enjoy it, and live your life and move on. So my my second question is, it seems like cultural references and, like, digging back into heritage and culture, no matter what it is, um, African, Eastern European, or, sorry, European-American or Eastern European, um, it seems that this is, like, very prevalent, but it's not necessarily new. Do you think that in the last five-ish years where diversity and inclusion have really come to the forefront and now in the last year where anti-racism has really come to the forefront, 
do you feel that we're getting more entertainment that is like deeply tied to black culture? You mean like is black culture becoming trendy now? Not necessarily trendy, but yes, I'm thinking more like mainstream and just out in general. Or is this just me, and I'm willing to accept that this is just a me thing, like, paying more attention to things? I think it comes in waves. Yeah, I think it does, too. Like, the 90s was, like, the best time for it. Yeah, like, no, somebody did a graph, and it was, like, how black black media comes in in mainstream waves and then dies out again. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's, like, it started with, like, on the tail ends of the civil rights movement, moving into the 70s, you got... Good Times and Sanford and Sons and all these black shows and then it died off and then it picks up again in with the, the 80s. Cosby show. Yeah, right. with like late eighties, early nineties, yeah. And then you get then it dies off again. And then in the nineties it picks up again as hip hop becomes more mainstream and kids can listen to it on MTV. So black culture pops up again and then it dies in the early two thousands. And then Black kids are getting murdered and protests pop off. And now we got Issa Rae on, on HBO and all these. It's just, we're just current. I feel like we're currently living in the bubble where they're appease, 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 appease. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go right back into whiteness again. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I guess better. that's what my question. Yeah, I think it gets better progressively, but I think this is nothing new. Like, a, a, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about race and in any aspect people always feel like the time they're living in, it feels new, but it's like, <laughs> just, just right. look it's back. It's not new. It, it's just, it's rebranded. Right. Mm. And more accessible, maybe, yeah. and more relatable, maybe. Like, if I, if Insecure, which I could, we should just do an entire episode about Insecure. No, we should Like, if Insecure never doesn't watch it. I know. I know. I get so mad every Sunday night. I'm like, Daphne. Um, if I had watched Insecure when I was 25, so seven years ago, I would have been like, this is cute, but I don't get it. But now that I'm older and I've dated black men and I've lived that life, I'm like, yo, I get this now. So I you're, think it you mean is your like, black experience. <laughs> my black experience is happening to me. Um, So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I know you're right. Like, it does come in waves, and I think it's interesting. Now, like, we are in that resurgence where I can talk to my students about Insecure or, like, Black Panther, Black is King, or Beyonce, whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah, totally, like, and they're, and now we're in that, I'm also in that cycle where they're flaming me for not knowing (laughs) cultural references, which is great and delightful, and I love it, and I learn so much from, I learn more from my students than they learn from me, I think. And so, yeah, it's just interesting. These are all the things I'm thinking about. Thanks for letting me get all those thoughts out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jameer, it is your turn. What is your topic? Okay, Tell well, us what you're Thank you for passing about. me the mic. Mine is on Adele is King. So, yeah, like, I wanted to talk oh, about boy. Like, Adele a little bit, but I also <laughs> wanted to talk about the movie. And Adele is King, right? I guess. I don't know. Oh, so, God. You are welcome to... I... Oh, what? Nothing. <laughs> you are welcome to come home to yourself. This line in Black is King's beginning poem really stuck out to me. Honestly, the whole poem did. But that line right there, she recites the line and soon it transitions into the song Bigger. Bigger is a song about legacy and the connectivity we have as the owner of black bodies. 
as shown by the woman sprinkling water upon their children's faces. To me, that line is referring to this idea of Sankofa. Us as African Americans, especially us Creole folks, as Beyonce would say, though far removed from continental Africa and its many wonders are still connected to it. We cannot continue to move forward without first acknowledging the cultures and histories of our ancestors before they arrived to the Americas. We are truly welcome to come home. For so long, I've seen and heard people say that African-American people were denying our ancestry or other dumb stuff like that was, to me at least, just isn't the case. We just have our own culture or cultures now, which is fine. This line is saying that we have the opportunity to learn about the cultures that were stolen from us. And the song is telling us about the power of our ancestry and our legacy. I truly appreciated the film. It was vividly appealing. And the fact that Beyonce worked with African designers, choreographers, and more to put out the best product she could was dope. But she isn't absolved for criticism. Mainly from people saying that she was appropriating African culture or only showing Africa through a capitalist lens. Every critique reminded me of the cultural appropriation versus appreciation debates that we have on Twitter sometimes. And it truly made me question how African-American people could appropriate cultures that were forcibly taken away from us. And now we get to Adele. Last weekend, I guess, it's like yep. quarantine time is going by fast. She wore Bantu knots and a Jamaican bikini to Notting Hill Carnival. Early on, all she got was praise. Some people started joking, though, about her hair and arguably one of the wildest diaspora wars I've ever seen occurred on Twitter and Instagram. People were saying that African-American people were minding everyone else's business and that Adele was appreciating their cultures. And people were saying that African-Americans were working as gatekeepers of all forms of blackness and all that other stuff. And I'm just really thinking first. Well, first, I want to go into this question. Do you do y'all think that African-Americans can appropriate African cultures? And by appropriate, I'm talking about like when I, when I think of cultural appropriation, I think of like making money off of someone else's culture and parading it at, on as your own. I feel like there definitely is like a capitalistic lens that cultural appropriation conversations need to be focused around or framed around. I just want to say on behalf of African Twitter, I am so sorry for us starting a majority of these diaspora wars. Um, <laughs> these shits be a fucking I mess. <laughs> sincerely apologize to African Americans because some of the shit we be saying is wild and uncalled for. And I just want to put it out there that I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I do think... I fully believe that African Americans can be cultural appropriators, but I also had said this, I think to my mom, but when we, when African Americans get on social media and we start calling out like, oh, that's cultural appropriation or y'all are colonizing this or this and the third, I feel like, and I'm like, I'm using, I'm making up this damn term, the global blacks. They'd be so ready to like target us. Or, and I don't know if it's because we, in essence, being American afford you a whole different set of privileges, but it's, it, it's sort of like, we know the repercussions of colonization, the repercussions of colonialism. So when we see Adele wear Bantu knots, we know that that is just going to be marketed to a bunch of random white people on the internet who follow only her and her whiteness adjacent people and so it's like catch it now and we'll call it out and we'll be like Adele can't do that 
Adele got the Jamaican flag on her chest. What the fuck is going on? Everybody's like, y'all just, y'all want to be the bitter blacks. Y'all want to yell and da And it's like, yes, we can make money off of this and be very profitable and try to stake claim over this thing. But I think for the most part, as much as we can be the cultural appropriators, we also are trying to be cultural protectors. And I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of times people miss that aspect about African-American culture in particular, where it's not just we're just angry and bitter. I mean, yeah, we we might be. We descend on the slaves. We got we got 400 plus years to be angry about. But in the same breath, it's like sometimes you're going to have to let people fold. And and my take on the whole Twitter beef thing that's just always stupidly sparking up. I'm like, well, shit, if y'all want to be colonized, I'll step away and just be quiet. You're like, let me mind my business. Like, that sounds dumb. It's like, that sounds fucking dumb. It's like, I, if I can protect black people, I'm going to protect black people in all so aspects I of So, I try to do that, but when I seen, like, the comments started going left, I'm like, ooh, let me mind my business. It was like, yeah, because <laughs> them African-Americans always jumping in our business and talking for us. I'm like, ooh, yeah, let me, Yo, let me just... The Adele comments were fucking Let me just see my way out these disgusting. comments. I must say, I completely agree. There's just a huge huge disconnect between um africans in the continent and africans in the diaspora i feel like we have different histories and you know the white man kept us apart and therefore we have very little knowledge of each other until recent history like for most africans especially West Africans, their knowledge of slavery ended once the ships were no longer visible in the horizon. Like after that, it was like, well, they didn't return. So they're probably having a great time in the Americas. Like slavery is not, or at least the, uh, what's it called? Transatlantic slave trade was not something that was taught in African history books. And we also have our own history of colonization and stuff like that and so there's really like a huge disconnect between our cultures and like the overall general blackness because on one hand africans do have the privilege of you know being in societies where everyone looks like them and everywhere they go they're surrounded by blackness so they get the privilege of not having to identify by their race they get to the privilege of simply being like who they are or who their tribe is what country they're from it's not a matter of their skin color because everyone else looks like them whereas Mm -hmm. here in the americas and in the caribbeans you know our race determines our whole entire lives like everything we do is about race like the blankets of america was woven on slavery and the blood of african americans and therefore we don't have that privilege of existing outside of our skin color and so yeah we want to protect well i don't know if i should even be saying we because i'm from africa but like yeah black people african americans want to protect the culture that they have because everything you see is like stolen from us like a lot of pop mm-hmm. cu- a lot of pop culture is african american culture like black culture is american culture and i don't think people realize that and also you have situations where like 
you know, black people create one thing and then a white person does the exact same thing. And not only do they get all the credit, but like they kind of change it. Like they change the meaning of it. They change the style and stuff. And so it becomes this like garbage that is no longer recognizable to black culture. And it could be like sold to the rest of the world as simply America. And so I think we this is a great opportunity with the internet and with like the rise in popularity of african culture caribbean culture the rise in popularity of blackness in general it's a great time for us to come together and learn from each other and recognize the fact that we are all connected it just depended on where the ships landed like some ships landed in brazil some ships landed in america some ships never really left the continent and therefore we need to like i wish like i truly am an advocate for us coming together and us like being one african or one black body but um you know people on twitter be wilding like i would just they're like yikes like there is a lot of work i'm sorry like i said like i don't condone it gets crazy and it'll be Um, over like the goofiest stuff and I think also, I think also I have the privilege of like being from two cultures. So I am in this weird space where like I understand where the Africans are coming from. Mind you, I know that they wallin. Like I know they're wrong sometimes. But <laughs> I, knowing the culture, knowing the people, knowing the history, I get where they're coming from. But also being raised in America, you know, I completely understand where african-americans are coming from like there's this like when black panther came out there was the whole conversation between t'challa and killmonger and how um killmonger you know like africa just kind of abandoned the um black people and killmonger just wanted to like take back what was his and like you know get some justice for black people and there was that whole disconnect and i feel like i truly understood where both sides were coming from i could relate to t'challa and like wakanda forever and you know being proud to be from africa but i could relate to killmonger too because i'm like yo fuck these white people like yes black panther like i'm all like the black Panther Mm -hmm. party not the black panther um movie but like Mm -hmm. yes like revenge you know like for our people like i can see both sides of the argument and so i wish it's a great time that like we are having these conversations and we are like addressing these disconnects and i have hope for the future the way twitter is set up right now it might be a very you never know like (laughs) this was another big thing that i was seeing on there like okay so i just want to like this is like a trick question but how did people expect (laughs) Beyonce to condense an entire continent into a film that was like 180 minutes like they she they went ahead to fit ever like all 50 plus countries like yeah the first minute is gonna be Madagascar then we <laughs> then we you know we gotta you know you know we gotta do South Africa and Botswana it's two different things and then like maybe a little Rwanda right here maybe a little Kenya I don't know like man. <laughs> I do agree that it would be completely <sighs> impossible for, you know, the whole entire continent to be fit into this one movie. But at the same time, my only beef with it is that, um, you know, a lot of East Africans were complaining out there that they didn't get much representation, which I get. Like, I totally get. Like, if you look at the, you know, the music in 
the black is king like it, it was mostly from nigeria like it was it was mostly west yeah. african but it was like it was still there but my, i think my biggest issue with it is the fact that like because it's coming from beyonce her connection to the continent is west africa like for the most yeah, part like, african yeah. americans See, not are her that's not her story yeah african americans come from west central and some south africa I don't know African Americans who are descendant from Kenya. Like, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, it was no point. And then I guess my last question is, why did Beyonce get so much more heat than Adele? People want to hate Beyonce. That's it. White supremacy. Yeah, like, and then even with, like, Beyonce getting heat, I was getting heat in the crossfires. Like, yeah, because African Americans always want to be telling us what we should be saying and... They want to be telling white people what they came to do. for Diddy too. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> they came for Diddy. They grinded him up too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't know what they don't know what how we feel about this and that. I'm like, I get that. I'm like, that's why I ain't say nothing. <laughs> I had I, I put the little poll up on my uh, Instagram story, right? Because so since so many like Jamaican and African people got in her comments saying that um they was okay with it, all my white friends was like, yeah, see. This is cultural appreciation. And I'm like, because that one person in the comments said it. That's why we also, need like a black we need a black vote. Like like we need African people. Well apparently the African Americans don't count. We don't count in the vote. Also yeah, if we're African Americans. If we're keeping it to Virgil's, like <laughs> regardless of whether it was cultural appropriation, appreciation, it didn't look nice. Adele was, yeah, Adele was really out here looking like it, it was not a good look. Like it did not look nice. I I don't know what she was trying to do, but it did not look good on her, regardless of whether she wanted not to appreciate the culture. Mm-hmm. Like she was out here. I would appreciate crazy. it if she didn't use that. If she didn't get her hair done like that, that's the cultural appreciation. But yeah, like. I just think that like we need to get a vote, like so we can talk about it. Like, so can can white girls wear braids? Can they? Can white people wear locks? Can because like some black people like will be all the way for it. Yeah, go ahead, sis. Da, da, da. I see you. Mm-hmm. That's how the people was in Adele's comments, and the other people be like, No, <laughs> you disrespecting our culture. You disrespecting their culture. And it's like yo, we need to be on one accord. Eva, okay, no, I don't think we need to be head. on one accord. If we're if we're on one accord, that makes us monolithic. <laughs> but I do think that people need to recognize geographic geographical differences. In the United States, us wearing our box braids, us wearing our bantus, us wearing any of those black hairstyles will cost us a job, and a job means livelihood in a capitalist capitalistic country, and that means your survival is at risk. However, I don't know what the fuck goes on in London or the UK or the Caribbean, but I don't think their hair in particular at this current point cost them a job. Maybe in the UK. I'm pretty there sure was. they just passed laws. Yeah, they just passed laws to make it non-illegal. But the US particularly has a history where we are not allowed to do that. So Adele mm. is not allowed to do that because if white people go and mimic her, they get told, oh, what a cool hairstyle. But their jobs aren't on the line. Someone correct me if I'm wrong here, but I swore there was an article that came out about how, like, Jamaica banned the um, locks in schools. Like, you will get... Yeah. Yeah. I I remember that. In Jamaica. All right, y'all. So, we are concluding our first season two. 
guest episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Gladys. It was an absolute pleasure. I know we talked a lot of shit today. So, Gladys, let us know where we can find you or follow you. So you really can't, like, I don't really have social media under my name. Like, I don't have a personal Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I deactivated them all. But I do have a couple of Finstas, you know, a couple of Twitters floating around. You're not a Twitter. <laughs> a couple of fake accounts because, you know, I just like to exist as, you know, just an arbitrary human being enjoying Twitter. Like, I don't want anything connected <laughs> to me, but uh, plus it's just, there's just so much freedom of doing whatever you want on social media without anyone who actually knows you. <laughs> um, mm. Except for like a few people. <laughs> All right, y'all. So Gladys is a scammer. <laughs> I will not find her. <laughs> she only exists in this podcast <laughs> and somewhere on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't have a LinkedIn either. Ooh. <laughs> So All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of here. Bye.